You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener, to episode 44 of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. And let me just tell you straight up front that if you thought to yourself at any point listening to the past 43 episodes that we were getting stale, uh, just you wait, because we got an off-the-wall one for you today. I, I've, I've done a little bit of reading ahead, and I know what's coming, and I have a little bit of familiarity with the text. So um, I expect that Matt, our scandalous topic guy, is going to take point on this episode. I'm just just guessing. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but before we jump into it, one more thing, please like and subscribe this podcast on whatever platform you're listening. If you're on Spotify, hit that like button. If you're on um, iTunes, hit subscribe. And please let the almighty algorithm know that this is worthwhile content. And also for yourself, you get a notification every Tuesday morning whenever we have a new episode. Maybe uh, help make that commute a little little less draining on you. So, with that being said, gentlemen, well, what are we doing today? Go ahead, Nathan. Go ahead, Matt. No, go ahead. <laughs> it's, you, you are scandalous topics guy. <laughs> it's I not def- really a question of what we're doing. The question really is, what did Ham do? Like, that's that, it. That's oh. the question. Uh, because he seriously hammed this so, up. <laughs> so, to, so what we're doing is we're, ha- we're hamming it up today. That's right. We're dealing with Ham. And that, that question, what did Ham do, is not as straightforward and simple as you would think it would be. Like, so you're going to find out today in our discussion that there's a lot of different thought on this. And one of the things that we discovered this week, in fact, in fact Nathan discovered in his conversation with some scholar friends, is that some of these options have not even been explored much, even in greater scholarships. So I think it's going to be a fun episode. Yeah, I almost interrupted Matt and said, there might be more going on here than uh, than you think. And I was like, even more than I thought till just very recently. <laughs> mm, more than meets the eye. Yeah, uh, that's good. Go. Well, it wasn't just me. Remember, we were actually recording the episode. Yeah, like we actually we started recording and everything. <laughs> we were recording. And then you were like, guys, I need to do some homework here before I can put my name on this. We could be in Genesis 50 by now. <laughs> so, so anyway, oh, Van Horn. But it, it was, but it was, pr- it was helpful because even the stuff that we were opening up before we start talking about this, talking around it, let's make sure, let's go ahead and read this so that the audience knows what we're, we're even discussing here. There you go. Okay. That's fair. Um, all right. So readers, we're going to be in Genesis chapter nine, verses 18 through 29. And this will be a We'll discuss this in a couple of parts because, as we've uh, hinted, this ended up being much more entailed than certainly I uh, foresaw. So who's reading for us today? I'll take it away. I think it's actually been, I think, more than a month since I've read. I've been getting away with it, so... You sly character. <laughs> I'll let you all. Matt was, Matt, Matt was waiting for a sufficiently scandalous topic to do the reading. <laughs> there, so. there you go. So today is your day. All right. So Genesis chapter 9, verses 18 through 29. 
and as always, reading from the English Standard Version. The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole world, or the whole earth, were dispersed. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward, and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his servant. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. All the days of Noah were 950 years and he died. So listener, if, if you're confused about why we, we've kind of hyped up the scandalous topic and you are wondering why we're doing that, because it doesn't seem like nothing super scandalous happened in that in that uh, passage. But. Well, this is also one of those passages that you're kind of reading and go, I don't really fully understand that. So I'm just going to keep going. Yeah, that's actually my experience. This has always been something where it, you know, 18 through 20 or 18 through 29 didn't make any sense whatsoever. And so, you know, it's never talked about in Sunday school. It's never talked about from the pulpit. So in my own private reading, I was just like, ah, well, I'll skip it. And that uh, is what I did until a couple years ago, Matt, when during a Sunday night, you actually did a whole Sunday night lesson on these verses. And now I understand why you're scandalous topics guy. <laughs> well, uh, so there's another thing here too, is that it's not just this is a scandalous topic, but unfortunately there have been scandalous usages for this topic. But, yeah. So there, uh, there's a, so there's baggage in this topic because the whole curse of Ham is remembered, unfortunately, especially in the 19th century and parts of the 20th century as well. And it probably... Justific yeah. They used it as justification for chattel slavery. That's yeah. right. Saying that, look, these descendants of Ham are inferior because of what Ham did, they are cursed, and therefore it was used as justification for slavery. But just a casual reading will tell you that that is nonsense, because that doesn't work. Because the whole idea of the curse of Ham does not exist in the Bible. Because if you were paying attention when we read, or when I read a moment ago, Ham... The curse is not on Ham. That's right. Ham is not cursed. Canaan, the son of Ham is cursed. So, which on a casual reading doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Right. Uh, so, it's not like the sons of God, daughters of men. There's not vocabulary that just stands off the page, at least as we read it in English. Um, 
We'll come back to that in Hebrew, though. Sure. It's one of those passages Matt said, you read this passage casually until you have to read it carefully. Right. Um, yeah. And, and it's, you know, so when Matt and I were discussing this passage before we, or, or in real time, when we tried to record the episode, I, you know, he started saying some stuff on the presumption, thank you for giving me the benefit of the doubt that I knew more than I did. And I was like, um, I didn't read this chapter. I mean, I, I mean, I read this, but like when you're assigned reading for class and then you show up unprepared, that's how I felt when we were recording that episode. I said, Matt, I'm sure there's something to what you're talking about because you, you just don't speak in a vacuum. But I was like, I'm not terribly familiar with what you're floating out there. I said, let me go do some homework. And the more homework I did, uh, it, it, it really did two things. Number one, um, I, I, I either had considerations or read arguments that were not Matt's points to me, but completely supported his take on the text. Um, and they, they did a couple of things. Number one, uh, you know, this is, uh, like you said, the curse is not on Ham, the curse is on Canaan. And so reading the passage the way I had read it for a long time, um, it, it made no sense. Why? Why is it? Why is everything against Canaan? You know, why is Canaan cursed instead of Ham? Why is Canaan mentioned at the beginning of the passage before the action? Why is he mentioned in the middle of the passage, right before? You know, right on the cusp of the action. And again, why is he cursed on the back end? And and finally, what on my old reading, this seemingly had nothing to do with what came before it in the flood story, right? Right. Uh, and then when Matt pushed back on that and I said I need to do some more homework, the 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 way I now read it um, makes so much more sense of how it goes with its immediate context. But as we'll talk about in the next episode, also the broader context of the Old Testament story. You've probably, Lister, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a careful reader of Scripture. You're familiar with this story and have come to this like Gandalf. It, you know, what do we do with this? I'm not really sure. Throughout my life, I've heard some explanations. Gandalf, I know you and I have spoken about this. There are some potential explanations of what Ham actually did. What is this? He looked upon the nakedness of his father. What is that all about? What really took place there? And there are several that are given. Gandalf, what were make mention of the few that you had talked about beforehand? Well, I mean, if you read you know, in literally what the English says, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because it's like, okay, well, Ham comes in, sees his father naked, tells his brother, hey, dad's in there naked. And then, man, uh, Noah just flips his lid and is like, <laughs> guess what? Grandson is cursed. Yeah. He, he's, he's the worst. Uh, he's going to be servant to everyone else. Right. And you're like, okay. And it's, Noah, and it's coal for Canaan for every Hanukkah henceforth. Yeah, and exactly. Um, and yeah. then it's like, oh my gosh, if I ever accidentally, you know, as a kid growing up, kid. ran into my dad and he was getting out of the shower or something like that. Oh my gosh, I'm cursed for life. You know, I've seen my <laughs> it's, father it's naked. Like you're not, yeah, you're not, but you're... Yeah, you know, you're <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, my children are. So... Well, and, and that and that reading doesn't make any sense because why is why is Noah's grandson the subject of his wrath when he wasn't even presumably wasn't even born at this point? Like, well, he didn't do nothing. Right. So, so voyeurism is is something, and that raises the uh, that raises the question. He didn't do anything, but was he involved? And that uh, we'll, yeah. we'll go there in just a second. Right. Um, mm. So, but that first uh, explanation is it's voyeurism that. That Noah was laying naked, he was passed out drunk. And then, Ham, the, 
And Ham is a peeping Tom? Is that what you're... That Ham saw his father in some way or made fun of his father in some way. It was disrespectful. It was voyeuristic. And therefore, when Noah gets sober, he finds out what Ham has done and is like, listen, I I am going to punish your kid because of this. So voyeurism is explanation number one that's typically thrown around. What's another one getting off? Uh, another one I've heard is that um, Ham actually goes in and sexually assaults his father and then for some reason tells his brothers about it, which is kind of weird. Yeah, there there are some Jewish writers that make this suggestion. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll either go like the sodomy route or the, uh, some even suggest he was Noah was castrated by Ham. Right. Which does that doesn't make sense on a couple levels. Uh, just speaking as someone who's a you know not a scholarly reader of the Bible, because one again doesn't answer the question of why Canaan is cursed, and also it's just kind of why that's some really hard well, the, liquor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you could yeah, sleep that, through being assaulted or castrated. That's, well, I, yeah, like well, man, and, that, like, and, that, and that's my my thing is uh, against the. Uh, against the sodomy understanding, against the castration, the text explicitly says Noah slept through this. Right. I, it is. I mean, they just got off the ark. They, I mean, the wine ain't that good. <laughs> that's, you know. Uh, that's right. Well, it, 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 even if it were, it's hard to envision sleeping through either of those things. Right. Because it, the text says that he's not aware of what has taken place until after he sobers up. That's it. Mm. Uh, and, th- and, and then again, for me, all of the options we've had so far don't really... Uh, one of the things we've talked about in Genesis is, you know, these totally doth formula. These are the generations of such and such. And so we had these are the generations of the heavens and the earth. And then we saw a good picture of... Uh, of Eden, we saw things go wrong in Genesis three, and then we saw the aftermath of that in Genesis four. And you have this complete saga, you know, right? I, I, like I think of the the Star Wars trilogies, um, and then you get to Genesis uh, five, and you have another totally dope. These are the generations of Adam, and like we said, mm. Cain was left out, and you have the genealogy of Seth that leads to Noah, and then you have the flood story, which is the Noah story. Mm. Uh, Right on the other side of this passage, we're going to have Genesis 10, which is another totally doth, the, right. you know, the table of nations. And so this is not just an isolated story. This is the conclusion of a saga. Right. And uh, again, on that surface level reading, you talk about a disappointing season finale. Right. This, this <laughs> see, you know, again, God gave us the Bible he wants to have. Uh, these stories, uh, especially Genesis 1 through 11, are typically, from everything we've seen, a, a lot of meaning in a small narrative span. That reading almost feels too lackluster, right? It's right. kind of, I think, of what Gen- uh, Gandalf said in Genesis 6. Um, why, is that, why would this be the first boring story? And then when Matt pressed against me to, to, to look more into it, or I said I needed to study, um, man, I started looking at this in English. I started looking at it in Hebrew. And I feel like there are better interpretive options. Well, I think there are a few hints uh, that we can see here. By the way, um, this is, if I'm remembering correctly, I don't have it with me, but the Holman Bible, uh, one of their commentary sets, uh, this is one of the options. I think it's the first option that they talk about. Uh, also, a scholar we've mentioned before, Dr. Michael Heiser, he mentioned it on one of his podcasts. By the way, 
just learned recently, Dr. Heiser has been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And so I saw that just the other pray day for him. Uh, but anyway, they begin to get me thinking, those resources begin to get me thinking about this. And I think there are some hints that give away what we believe is happening here. So let, let me just start and just give you a few of the hints that, that spoke volumes to me. Uh, first, and by the way, you don't have to be a Hebrew scholar to see these. Let's just look at the English right now. If you look in verse 18, the sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth, or Japheth. The very next line, and in English it's in parenthesis, Ham was the father of Canaan. A weird thing to say. And then in verse 19, these three were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Why why is it significant? What okay, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> what is that thing? Well, that thing is Canaan. The reason it's strange is because Canaan is not a son of Noah. He is a grandson of Noah. Now, if you were to turn the page, you would see in Genesis 10, a whole list of grandsons of Noah. And Ham's son, Canaan, is among that list of the grandsons of Noah. But why is Canaan here listed with the first generation with the sons of Noah. So that's a hint there. So you've got Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then, wait, Canaan's here too. Why is Canaan here? That's the first thing. Yeah, and to that point, you know, when you look at chapter 10, you're in the next stage of the story, and the next stage of the story culminates in Babel, and you have a hint at the end of verse 19 that that Babel's already in view, right? Right. From these, the people of the whole earth that's right. were, dispersed. were dispersed. That's a... That's a that's a hint forward to Genesis 11. Right. So why is Canaan listed amongst the first generation of sons and not the second generation of sons? Okay, that's question number one. Okay, question number two, to Nathan's point a moment ago, why is Ham's son Canaan brought up again in verse 22? Why is the author driving home the point by saying in verse 22, And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Ham has other sons. In fact, if we were to look over in the sons of, uh, sons of Ham, the sons of Ham are Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. Canaan actually may be the youngest son of Ham. Yeah. Why are those sons, why is Canaan the one mentioned here? That, that should be another question that goes on here. Also, and you've already made the point, Gandalf, that when Noah awakes, he flips his lid, to use your expression. What in the world has taken place that sent Noah over the edge. And then the final tip is this, that we've already looked at a little bit, is why is it that Canaan is cursed and Ham is not cursed? Because the narrative specifically says it is the younger son, Ham, the youngest son, who did this to Noah, 
not Canaan. Canaan did not do this, but Canaan is the one who's cursed. But Canaan is the youngest son of Ham's sons. Why was Cush not cursed? Why was Egypt not cursed? Why was Put not cursed? Why only Canaan? Those are questions that must be answered. Y'all's thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, that's those are exactly the, the questions I raise. I was about to say, I mean, it was at this point in the discussion last time when I said, hmm, let me get back to you. I need to do some study on this. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's actually, so there's another hint. There's another hint. And this is where we need some Hebrew help because it's not apparent in English, but it can be seen in Hebrew. And this was really probably the point, as you shared with me, Nathan, that really opened you up to, hey, there may be something to this. Why, why don't you walk us through that? I've had the understanding that Noah planted a vineyard, partook of the wine, over partook of the wine, became drunk, and then he goes lying in his tent, and Ham walks in on him, the whole voyeuristic interpretation, brags about this to his brothers, and things go downhill from there. And so I was amazed. When I told Matt I wanted to look further into this passage, the first thing I did was opened up my Hebrew Bible. It's the Biblia Hebraica Stuttgartensia. It's the critical edition of the Hebrew Bible. And I started reading this passage in 18, and then I stopped at the end of 21. Because at the end of uh, Genesis 9, 21 in the Hebrew Bible, there is a form in the text that does not make immediate sense. Yeah. To see it in the text suggests one meaning. To say it from the text suggests another meaning. Uh, so the last few words that you see in English are in his tent. But in the Hebrew, that's far less clear. Um, in Hebrew, the word for tent is ohel. Uh, so to say in his tent, you would say uh, ohelo. To say uh, in her tent, you would say ahala. And the form that we have in the critical text of the Hebrew almost combines those. It has the vowel form, the long O sound that would give you his tent, but it has the consonant form ending with a hey rather than a vav that would suggest in her tent. And I told Matt, this really stumped me because uh, uh, y'all do a little bit of historical guesswork. Our earliest form of the Hebrew text, what did we have first, the vowels or the consonants? The consonants. Yeah, we had the consonants. So we had Aleph, Hey, Lameth, Hey. Before we had, in Hebrew, the vowels are not separate letters. They're pointings and, and little marks that you make around the letters. Does that make sense? Um, and so initially, our earliest form of the text is looking at Aleph, uh Hey, Lameth, Hey, uh, the letters that we get oh hail and then an ending. Um, and, and so I had to ask myself, why in the world, if it's in his tent, would it have a hey a feminine on ending. the end? Yeah, it looks like a feminine ending. And that's where it got even more interesting because I looked out in the margin and the Masoretes, who were the textual scholars that transmitted the Hebrew text all those centuries, they had made a mark where they clearly understood the text says it's called Kativ Kare. Kativ means here's what's written and Kare means, but here's how, how you should pronounce it. And they said, Kativ, it's clearly written with a third feminine singular ending her tent, but anyway, we want you to read it as his tent. And they, and they do that by changing in that note, 
the last consonant of that construct. Let me ask this. So to make sure I'm understanding what you're saying and we're understanding it together, is that from the notes in the Hebrew, from the Masoretes, all that, is that what appears to be originally written is feminine, her tent, that that was the original intent of the text. And it at least appears that, that from the research you're talking about. Is that correct? Yeah. So I, I think the, the reason we take the voyeuristic interpretation is it's hard to know. And, and like uh, the, even the sodomy and castration, you're trying to, you're interpreting the action in light of the characters that you know are present. In other words, mm -hmm. if you think it's his tent, then the only characters that even come to mind are Noah and Ham. But if, if you went into that same story that keeps mentioning Canaan, a grandson, and you, and you have that one little shift, and we're, there's so much more evidence that we're going to unpack. But if you started and framed that story up by saying that Noah drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in her tent... Who implicitly is a new character in the story? The wife of Noah. The wife of Noah. And by the way, the her tent, this exact wording is used when later in Genesis, Isaac takes Rebekah into Sarah's tent, and the same word is used there. So you find this again yeah. in Genesis. And this is this is not uh, to the Hebrew. I don't want to, I, I don't presume most of our listeners do Hebrew, and I don't want to be uh, high-handed with that, but just to put the significance of this, I cannot think of another instance in the entire Hebrew Bible where you would have a long O sound with a hey after it, where you would have uh, where you would have a mixed form, uh, like almost like they couldn't decide, right? Like what is that? Uh, what is that? Excuse me, I can't think of another place in the Hebrew Bible where you would have a pronominal suffix that had the vowel sound for a third masculine singular, but the consonant form for a third masculine feminine ending. So based on what Nathan is suggesting, Gandalf, do the math. What are we saying the interpretation is? Might be. So what we're saying is that the third option, in light of this new character that's come onto the field, is that we're saying that Ham sees that his father is drunk, goes into his tent, goes into the tent after his father, who is not in the tent alone, but with his mother, he violates his own mother, Noah's wife, goes outside, tells his brothers about it, brags about it. Noah wakes up, realizes what's happened and says, Canaan, the presumed offspring of this action He's done. Right. Like this is not going to this is not going to wind up the way you think it is. In other words, if I'm pushing back against this, like I hear you unpack that, and I'm like, well, he's 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 man, he's taking a, a lot of liberty with an ambiguous form at the end of verse 21, whether it's in his tent or in her tent. Um, man, he he read a whole lot into that. Um, because I, I would push back as as I was originally tempted to do and say, Well, man, how do you get all that from talking about because all it says that Ham did is did what? He saw his father's nakedness. He mm. saw the nakedness of his father. But that raises the question, is this direct speech or is this a euphemism? Is this a figure of speech for something far more sinister? Right. And we're going to talk about that because we are out of time, I'm afraid. Oh, no. This is like a Sherlock Holmes climax of a novel here. We're going to lay out the facts and we're going to point the finger at the suspect. 
and why he's guilty. So please hit that subscribe button so that you can hear the end of this mystery and maybe see this verse in a whole new light. And not just that, but see all the verses that come after it in a whole new light, because this is important setup for the rest of the story. And we will see you guys next week. Have a good one. See ya. Shalom. Be, be careful what you say today, gentlemen. I'm hunting, I'm hunting for my, my end cap audio. So be on your guard. <laughs> <laughs>